0: Olympics focusing on COVID, but what about terrorists? Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, we're all aware that the uh, Olympics are going on in Tokyo, (laughs) even though they're being called the Tokyo 2020 Olympics and it's 2021. They didn't want to change all the... uh, Uh, Banners and and various things that they had printed up for 2020, and then of course it had to be continued because of COVID. But it is very strange uh, to be calling it the Tokyo 2020 Olympics in 2021. There are a lot of things actually that are strange about uh, this year's Olympics. Um, For one thing, uh, you know the the fact that they called the Tokyo called an emergency and um, uh, had to, or decided to ban spectators from the Olympics is one of the things that has made a big change, not for the better. It is really, if, you, if you've been watching this, um, you know, it's, it's very strange to have see nobody in the seats from the opening uh, of the Olympics to the different events, uh, athletic events. And of course, Um, You know, some people thought, well, maybe that that doesn't really matter, because um, I wasn't going to go to Tokyo, they think to themselves they weren't going to go to Tokyo anyway, but it does matter, because even if you're watching this on um, on television, and there's no roar of the crowd um, that makes a difference. So um, also it's when they did this, it made us hear a voice inside our head that said, COVID-19 may not really be over. And of course we are definitely thinking that um, is true. Now also the athletes are being affected. The athletes aren't quite on their game uh, for various reasons. You know, it seems like particularly American athletes aren't quite on their game. some of them have withdrawn Simone Biles, Biles, uh, for example, um, technically it's a French, <laughs> it would be Beals, but, um, and uh, she's, you know, she just withdrew and um, it's just there, there have been various mishaps. And of course, do you know that there are over a hundred people connected to the Olympics who have tested positive already for COVID? Um, And then, of course, there is the question, will the athletes themselves get infected by COVID and bring it home, infecting all corners of the globe at once? I mean, there are some people who uh, thought, think that the um, Olympics shouldn't have taken place this year because of that danger. Um, There are fewer people watching it on TV. Uh, There are some advertisers who pulled out. You know, all in all, it has been harmed by COVID. But on the other hand, you know, you can look at it, is the glass half empty or half full? On the other hand, you know, the people who did go there are brave um, and uh, wanted to represent their countries and took that chance and so on. Do you know that there are also anti-sex beds? (laughs) They have made anti-sex beds, beds made out of cardboard, um that are supposed to not withstand the movement of a couple having sex. However, there has been, <laughs> there have been some athletes who have tried this, and it isn't it, it doesn't seem to be stopping them. Let's just put it that way. So now, what does this have to do with terrorism? Well, for one thing, um, since 1972, when there was the terrorist attack at Munich, uh, there has been a loss of innocence from the Olympic Games. In fact, there's been an association between terrorism and violence and the Olympic Games since 72. Um, There are are reasons why terrorists and, and terrorist organizations, uh, are attracted to attacking the Olympics or in general, big sporting games. Um, first of all, they are, they, they may be targeting the athletes participating in the games. Then there's also the spectators throngs of spectators uh, might be an attack on the corporate sponsors of certain sports events. Um, and then also uh, You know, there are there are there are things connected to sports arenas, places where sports take place that have a connection to terrorism. Um, For example, of course, the one that you might be thinking of most has happened most recently is the Paris 2015 attacks by terrorists on the Stade de France, Stade de France, actually. (laughs) It was an international football match and outside they um, perpetrated an attack and then also uh, other sport spaces have been converted to sites of state sponsored terrorism, for example, in Afghanistan, the uh, main sport venue in Kabul um, was used by the Taliban to carry out public executions during halftime at sporting events. And then um, there's also been uh, military style physical trainings that have been done um, and as part of some terrorists um, uh, preparation, of course, for attacks and connected to to sporting, you know, the athleticism connected to sporting events. Um, What else? Uh, There's... Then um, the, also, of course, uh, terrorists may well choose uh, the Olympics partic- in particular, but to- sporting events in general, but especially the Olympics, because they this would maximize the negative psychological impact. Um, and so other reasons why they might pick Uh, the olympics or other sporting events is because it's difficult to physically identify terrorists in so amongst the spectators and the flow of spectators and then also the proximity of these sporting events especially the olympics to transportation hubs so then the terrorists can escape quickly and then there are also hospitality sectors connected to sporting events of course especially the um, Olympics, uh, hotels, restaurants, and so on. And that can, the the terrorists can then um, expand their reach and affect the people in these um, associated hospitality areas as well. Um, Then in Tokyo 2020, they... um, They took precautions about COVID, like when I was telling you the anti sex bed, uh, they're making these, the, um, the athletes eat alone or so they that was the plan anyway, but I, (laughs) you can see athletes, athletes, um, not keeping six feet of distance so they might well no longer be um, eating alone. Um there There has been no consistent increase or decrease in the frequency of terrorist attacks during Olympics uh, after nineteen well after nineteen seventy actually. Um, there there um, and there are two hypotheses for why some people think that there would be more terror attacks at Olympics, and some people think. That there would be less more because of all the things that i was just telling you and less because of the increased security now it's not clear how much security japan is taking i'll tell you in a minute about what their trains are doing but um As for the rest, it's not really um, clear how much they've done. Now, there have been three fatal terror attacks during the Olympics since 1970. And of course the first one is 1972 in Munich when eight uh, people from the Palestinian Black September organization, a terrorist organization, took members of the Israeli Olympic team hostage First they killed two of them and then they took nine, the rest, the rest of them, nine of them hostage. And then things went to hell in a handbasket when Germany was allegedly trying to, um, trying to rescue the hostages. Um, There have also, there's also been a terror attack at the Olympics in Atlanta. That was in 1996 when a pipe bomb exploded and it killed one person and wounded more than a hundred. And the attacker was Eric Rudolph, as you might know. And he was the one who had been involved in bomb attacks on abortion clinics and gay bars. Then in 2008, the games in Beijing had a more minor terror attack it's actually classified as a terror attack, but it's not a typical one. Um, it was a man wielding a knife who killed an American businessman and wounded his wife and their tour guide. Um, his name was, the motives, uh, his motives are unknown pretty much, but um, the man's name was Tang Yangming. Ming. And he had no known ties to terrorist organizations, and later committed suicide. Now, it might have to do with the fact that he killed an American, um, but that one is not has not really been well um, well defined. Um, then there are, um, you know, the as you know. Uh, The people in Tokyo are not the citizens and most of whom are not vaccinated uh, are not happy about the Olympic Games being there. And um, there, if you've seen if you've been watching it, you could see that, like, for example, the bicycle. um, Well, actually, it was the triathlon I was watching and the streets are pretty much deserted and um, there are the covid is surging. There are 11,000 athletes and 60,000 officials, journalists and sponsors, and um, they are finding that they, they have there are apps that monitor their movements. They're, they are restricting their movements. Um, you know, the idea of it, of course, was to make money, uh, but in fact, most host cities lose money except for Los Angeles in 1984 because they, we, they already had the infrastructure. Um, So Japan isn't expecting to gain any revenue, but the International Olympic Committee, on the other hand, is still going to be getting their revenue, their share of revenue from broadcasting rights, direct sponsors, and so on. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's I mean, I, we won't really be able to know whether it was a good idea to have them or a bad idea until after the games are over and people return to their countries and we see whether in fact they spread more COVID or not. Now, um, there's an irony here. 20 years before the United States attacked Afghanistan, it led other countries to boycott the Moscow Olympics in 1980, and they were protesting the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan. (laughs) How things change. Um, Okay, well, let's stop for this segment. When we come back, um, I'll tell you a little bit about the train, what is something that is happening in Tokyo um, for security in terms of the trains. And then we'll go on to um, some other, the talking about the um, the 1972 terrorist attack in Munich, and then um, what is happening now in this current Olympics in terms of terrorism, it's a slightly different, well, it's in some ways it's the same, but in other ways it's uh, kind of the opposite or a slightly different way of looking at it, but it is still terror. So stay tuned, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the terrorist therapist show where we're talking today about Tokyo Olympics, focusing on COVID, but what about terrorists? And as we've just been talking about, there are some reasons why um, terrorists might want to strike the Olympics. They have done three times before, since 1970, and the the, uh, Olympics have lost their sense of innocence uh, since the 1972 Munich terrorist attack. Now, before we get into that, however, I wanted to talk a little bit about what Tokyo is doing in terms of their uh, railways. They are increasing their vigilance uh, and they've been in in particular, they've been doing things like uh, they are they have begun deploying dogs and dogs sniff out explosives at their major transit stations. And they have been paired, the dogs have been paired with a trainer and a security guard. And when a dog comes across a suspicious, (coughs) excuse me, a suspicious person, the security guard asks for permission to check the person's luggage at an inspection area. And then people who refuse to comply will be asked to exit the station. Um, They also have bullet trains and they've been doing a lot of security on bullet trains and um there are more than 8000 security cameras that were set up at its um 110 major stations and th- this was in general not just the bullet trains and um they are uh sending the um the uh, the tape or the the digital I guess the you know the, what 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 they're recording is goes to a security company that monitors what um, these images and then on the bullet trains that that they are also equipped with camera cameras where the footage is sent to the security center and then um, and then they've um, you know they've done they've made things work at a much faster pace so that if anything is happening on a train or in a train station anywhere uh this control center will find out about it really quickly (laughs) okay now now i'm going to talk about the munich games and um in relation uh to tokyo because finally you know the relatives of the people who were killed um in Munich from this terrorist attack, Uh, they have been essentially begging the uh, International Olympic Committee for 49 years, (laughs) you know, happened in 72 and it took 49 years, which is really um, does not speak well for the International Olympic Committee as to why You know, well, the main reason why they didn't want to do anything, take, uh, make any kind of a a commemoration um, is because they were afraid of angering people, the countries, the terrorists who um, don't like Israel. And um, which is kind of interesting because uh, this year, you know, you know, 2020, (laughs) the Tokyo 2020 uh, games, they um, they honored the. Uh, people who were killed, the Israelis who were killed, and one German police officer who were killed um, in the Munich attack, terror attack. And it's interesting, I was just thinking about that this now, that that could be, in fact, that could be a reason why there would be a terror attack in Tokyo, um, you know, people who terrorists who aren't happy with uh, this commemoration in the opening ceremony. I mean, they made kind of a big deal about it, uh, which which as well they should after 49 years, um, honoring these uh, Olympic team members killed by Palestinian gunmen at the Munich Olympics. And um, what they said The the announcer said at the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics. They said we the Olympic community also remember all the all the Olympians and members of our community who have so sadly left us in particular, we remember those who lost their lives during the Olympic Games. One group still holds a strong place in all our memories and stand for all those we have lost at the games the members of the Israeli delegation at the Olympic games Munich 1972. And then um, they asked for a uh, moment of silence. And um, in 19, in 20, I'm sorry, 2016, there was some acknowledgement this was at the, uh, the the Olympic Village at the Rio de Janeiro Olympics. Uh, they inaugurated a place of mourning in a leafy part of the Olympic Village at the in Rio de Janeiro uh, to remember those who had died during the Olympic Games, not necessarily specifically the Israelis. Um, so the, The short story of what happened in Munich, and I'm gonna then go on to a little longer story. Um, The short story is that um, on September 5th, 1972, a group of Palestinian terrorists who were part of the group Black September entered the Olympic village in Munich and forced their way into the apartment of the Israeli athletes two people were killed almost immediately nine others were taken hostage and what they asked for was they wanted well they they demanded that israel release more than 200 prisoners who were being held in israeli jails and two german terrorists from germany two you know two two of their two people that they cared about who were in German jails. Um, but Israel has a policy, and this was set by Prime Minister Golda Meir, uh, and it's a smart policy. Um, she said, and they have kept to this, no Israeli, she said, Israel refuses to give in to the demands because if they did, no Israeli anywhere in the world could feel safe, uh, could feel that his life is safe. That's what she said. And because, you know, and it's just like what happened here in America with the uh, hackers, where um, pe- people gave in to the hackers, you know, the, you know, like the hackers who hacked the gas pipeline, for example. Well, you know, that was, yes, we all would like gas, but that was a very stupid decision because what's going to happen? It encourages more hackers, um, you know, just like you don't give in to uh, kidnappers. Um now, the the um, attempts, really, it was uh, you know, it's very it's through through the years. It has been questioned. It's still questioned just how hard Germany tried to um, rescue the Israeli hostages. And because it was like Keystone Cops, they made one mistake after another. And one of the mistakes that they made was that they never turned off the power to the Olympic Village. After the hostages were taken. So the um, Germans were around the village, you know, where the uh, hostages were. Um, but because, th- and there were people filming <laughs> uh, the German um, soldiers who were there to rescue the hostages. And so um, presumably it was on German television, and the terrorists who had power. You know, the since the Olympic Village had power, the terrorists were able to learn where the snipers were, where basically all the people who were supposed to be trying to rescue um, the hostages, the, the terrorists knew where they were. Now, you know, I it all seems rather suspicious. There are lots of details. I'm not going to go into the details of the of the mistakes that the german um soldiers and snipers and all that made because but i i recommend that you um read about it because i mean there are too many to talk about on the podcast today but um but you will see for yourself how it really yeah you had to wonder whether they were um whether they were really trying um so the, the dates of the Munich massacre started on September 5th and it went through September 6th. Uh, the target was the Israeli Olympic team. The deaths included six Israeli coaches, five Israeli athletes, five uh, Palestinian black September me- members and one West German police officer. And um, they, they wanted to Now, that the thing is that the um, Germany wasn't Germany wanted to um, make it seem like they didn't want the Olympics to seem they didn't want to see the world to, to think that they were a violent nation. Because, you know, there was World War Two and all of that and Hitler and all of that, and they wanted to try to go against that image and so um. They, they, they put people. You know, this the security was very uh, relaxed, shall we say? Um, they, they were. They wanted, didn't want to have. An, the image of this Olympics be like the 1936 Olympics, which um, then was used for by propaganda by the Nazis and so on. So they were trying to, uh, they expected that the security personnel were only going to have to deal with uh, ticket fraud and drunkenness, those kinds of things. And um, really the security in general, the security of the athletes village, including and especially of the Israeli team was really lax. And, um, you know, granted, this was before, before 9-11 um, and it was before, and this was the major terror attack that then made um, other people be concerned about terror attacks. Okay, but, and they asked, interestingly, they asked a West German forensic psychologist, George Sieber, to create 26 terrorism scenarios to help them plan security, and he made this. Uh, there was one scenario that he created called Situation Twenty One, and it, in fact, it turned out well. The organizers of the Olympics didn't want to have to prepare against Situation Twenty One, um, and they didn't really want to prepare about against. You know, they didn't want to do much preparing altogether, and because they wanted it to seem like they wanted to have carefree games without heavy security. So, but as it turns out, Situation 21 um, did accurately forecast what the Palestinians did when they invaded the Israeli athletes' quarters, uh, killing them and taking the hostages and so on. And if they would have listened to this forensic psychologist, and if they would, well, if they would have listened to him and if they would have done the work to prepare to make these the, um, Olympic Village more secure, then um, it is probable that this disaster wouldn't have happened, or at least not with as many dead, um, you know, with, with all the collateral damage. All right. Well, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to um, talk a little bit more about what happened in Munich um, and then tell you about what is happening this year, this Olympics, uh, when we come back. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the terrorist therapist show where we're talking today, uh, while the Olympics are going on in Tokyo, about Tokyo Olympics, focusing on COVID, but what about terrorists? Now, um, I, as I, when I left off in the last segment, I was talking about um, uh, the, the um, terrorist attack in Munich. Where uh, Palestinians uh, attacked the Israeli um, athletes, the Israeli team, and uh, killed 11 of them. Um, and uh, let me tell you, um, they're, they're, I was talking about you know this questionable, questionable security. Also, um, the German weekly news magazine Der Spiegel um, wrote in they they wrote this in 2012, not not immediately after um, I guess not immediately after the attack in 72, uh, but um, they, they I guess in, in the investigations since then they found they discovered that the West German authorities had a tip from a Palestinian informant about three weeks before the massacre. And they were told that um, the Palestinians were planning an incident and they didn't do anything about it. <laughs> uh, after the massacre, um, the, the, um, the Olympic Games, the International Olympic Committee decided, they, they paused for 34 hours, and then they decided the, day, the games must go on. And um, Israel endorsed that decision. Um, but what happened was, so the, the attack was on September 5th and 6th, and then on September 6th, after the memorial service, the remaining members of the Israeli team left the games and left Munich. And all Jewish athletes were placed under guard, especially Mark Spitz, do you remember him? The American swimming <laughs> phenomenon, he was uh, a star. And, uh, it, and and then in 1972, he was already an Olympics star, the, the American swimming star. And um, he had completed his competitions and he left Munich during the hostage crisis because they thought that he would be a prominent target, you know, a, a calling out to be killed um, because that that would have been a high value target. Um, OK, let me talk about what is how this how this is this history is affecting the Tokyo Olympics, um, you know. <laughs> these, I mean, you know, when people think, uh, that, I mean, I've talked before on this podcast about how Americans and Westerners in general, but especially Americans are, have, um, stopped thinking about terrorists. You know, they think nine 11 could never happen here again, which is so untrue. (laughs) Um, and, you know, because we've been thinking about COVID, but, um, these, these, um, religious uh, and territorial and historical uh, disputes have gone on for ages. And the terrorists are not about to say, oh, well, okay, you know, enough, (laughs) we're tired of this. Um, So now, so it is still raising its head um, in the uh, Tokyo Olympics. And there are, for example, there are those who say that Iran, who is the world's biggest, um, most powerful sponsor of terrorism because they fund all these terrorists, not all, but they fund many terrorist groups, particularly those who want to attack Israel. Um, well, they all want to attack Israel, but Iran is the biggest, uh, biggest enemy in terms of the war on terror. So, um, there are some people who have gotten together and who are saying that Iran should be banned from the Olympics period. And this is why they say that that should happen. Um, For example, there is a man named Naveed Afkari, who was um, the Iranian and Iranian wrestling champion, but he will never get a chance to compete in the Olympics because despite the fact that he's a world class athlete, because he was murdered by the Iranian regime for opposing the government. And um, they have, in fact, uh, murdered many other athletes, top athletes, who will therefore never see the games or never see more games if they had been in some. Um, So Afkari He was a critic of the Iranian regime, and he was accused of killing a security guard during the uh, 2018 Iran protests. And he was arrested and he was charged with murder and convicted after they tortured him uh, to to make a confession and with highly questionable evidence. And um, there were calls from the International Olympic Committee and from President Trump. And from the Ultimate Fighting Championship, uh, President Dana White, not to execute Afkari, but but Iran went ahead and they executed him in September 2020. Now, um, they not only that, not only have they killed a number of athletes, Iran did, but they sent one, at least one, controversial athlete to represent Iran, who also happened to be to have been an Iranian revolutionary guard in the guard corps. And he was a militant in Syria from 2013 to 2015. In other words, a terrorist. And his name is Javad Foro. Um, And he, um, Iran claims that he was a nurse or is a nurse, And he learned to shoot only a few years ago, (laughs) that's what they're saying, okay, but he won the gold medal in the Tokyo Olympics for men's 10 10 meter air pistol shooting. They made a big Iran and even the Olympics, the Olympics tweeted all about it, it was a big deal, and um, a terrorist, basically a terrorist. So they don't, um, <laughs> the, the people who are very much against Iran being in the Olympic Games is saying that the Olympic Committee has no problem with someone competing in the games who honed his skills by participating in terrorism. You know, none of this nurse stuff. I mean, maybe he is a nurse. That seems very unlikely. <laughs> um, but anyhow, Iran has been, has abused and killed uh, athletes for a very long time. In fact, since the Islamic revolution in 1979, um, there they they executed a famous wrestler um, for his anti-government stance. That was in 1981. In 1988, they executed a volleyball player and a football player, both political dissidents. In 1984, they executed a football player for the same reasons. In 2012, they executed a kickboxer accusing him of being an Israeli spy and in 2021 after they executed Naveed Afkari uh, they executed a second champion wrestler as well as a champion boxer and prominent sports coach so you know in other words um, the point is why should the Olympics uh, allow people to participate athletes to participate and countries to participate if they are terrorists, and if they're uh, they execute athletes, you know, the the Olympics, is all about. um, Well, it's about a lot of things. It's supposed to be about, you know, having countries compete in a very peaceful way. That's really what it's supposed to be about. And of course, honoring the athletes for their skills. So um, it seems pretty outrageous, then, that a country that kills its athletes should be allowed to be in the Olympics, not not to mention one that's a terrorist, at least one that we know of that's a terrorist, right? Um, What else? Um, There are many Iranian athletes who have fled Iran. And there was one Iranian ex-athlete who fled to the United States. And he was being interviewed by CNN, and he told CNN that Iranian intelligence watches the teams at the Olympics, or just in general, uh, 24-7, and they're punished if they do anything wrong while they're abroad. So he, um, this Iranian ex-athlete said, I want to ask the IOC, are you aware of this? You talk about gender equality and race equality. Are you aware that one of your members is violating the charter all the time, meaning Iran? You have been silent about this. This is sport. It has to be about peace and friendship, but they teach you to hate. And, you know, the he goes on, or people who are um, trying to get the international... Olympic Committee to pay attention to this. They make the point that Iran violates every principle that the Olympic games represent. Indeed, so the, the games continue. The games of, uh, you know, of uh, the gymnastics and the, uh, the shooting and the, all the other Olympic games continue, but indeed the terrorist games continue as well, except the terrorist games leave bodies. Well, thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.